You are listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. For more information about our church, you can find us at heightschurch.org. Thank you. If you have a, a copy of God's Word with you, whether that's on your phone, uh, whether you brought a Bible in your hand, it'll be on the screen as well. I'm going to invite you to turn to 1 John, and we are going to be in chapter 2, so you can put your finger on verse 28 of 1 John chapter 2. I'll meet you there uh, in a moment. And so when you think about um, a birth certificate, you know, uh, when we, we sang a lot this morning about being a son and a daughter of God, and, and John's going to talk about being a son and a, and a daughter of God. When you think about a birth certificate, a birth certificate is really important because a birth certificate really says who you are. You know, it gives you your name, the date you were born, where you were born, and who you were born to. And so when we think about our birth certificates, those are very important documents that identify who you are. So let me ask you this. What's on your spiritual birth certificate? What's on your spiritual birth certificate? Are you a child of God or are you not? Now, see, what we tend to do is we tend to lump everyone into the category of being a child of God. So we'll say, well, you know, it's not really important if you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. Everybody's a child of God. I think we need to have a little caution Everyone is loved by God. Everyone is created in the image of God. Every person is worthy of love and respect and honor. But John draws a very clear line between who are childs of God and who's not. I mean, just in chapter 3 and verse 10, look at what he says. He says, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil or Satan. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And so you see what John does is he puts, he puts two camps out there. There's no middle camp. He says there are children of God and there's children of the Satan. Children of God and children of the devil. So what's on your spiritual birth certificate? Who do you belong to? We've been in this series called Prove It, and we've been moving through 1 John just kind of line by line. And, and what we've been saying is, how can you, or, you know, we are answering the question, how do you know that you're a Christian? You know, if someone came up to you and said, you know, how do you know if you're a Christian? What would you tell them? You know, if you're thinking about that, how do I know if I'm a Christian? What, what do you say? Maybe your child, your granddaughter, your friend, your neighbor might ask you that one day. Hey, how do I know if I'm a Christian? How do you know if you're a Christian? For some of us, we will answer it this way. Well, I've always been a Christian. I've always been a Christian. I've always believed. Some of us might say, I'm from Texas. (laughs) Aren't we all Christians here in Texas and the South? I've always gone to church. I raised my hand one day at the end of the service when the pastor prayed a prayer of salvation. I got baptized. I joined a church. I vote for a certain political party. Right? I mean, these are the ways sometimes people will answer that question. How do I know if I'm a Christian? John is saying none of those answers are good enough. You've got to prove it. There, there should be something that's happening in your life. There should be something that you're 
living for and different in the way others live. And so what he's been doing is he said, okay, a Christian, chapter one we went over, is one who loves God, wants fellowship with God. He said a Christian is one that abides in Jesus. We talked about it this last week. A Christian is one that does not love the world, but the things of God. You know, and a Christian believes the truth of God's word, does not reject the truth of God's word. And so John's going to continue on that path this morning as we talk about who's a child of God and who's not. And here's what he's going to say, and this is kind of the key to the message. So if you want to write this down or take a little note on your phone real fast here, I'm just going to break it down in one sentence for you. But I really want you to remember this sentence this week. Fight sin in your life by abiding in Jesus. That's the Christian life. Fight sin in your life by abiding in Jesus. That's what the Christian does. The Christian, the one who follows Jesus, fights sin in their lives by abiding in Jesus. Notice what John says in chapter 2, verse 28, as we pick up there. He says, Now, little children, abide in him. So that when he appears, we might have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. John in verse 28 tells us to do something. And there's that word abide again. All right, John loves the word abide. He uses it 23 times in the letter. So he's really wanting us to get this point. Now, to abide in Jesus means to rest in, to settle in, to persist in, to stay in. So as a believer in Christ, we want to abide in him. We want to stay in him. We want to persist in him. We want to pursue him. We want to lock into him. You know, about, um, I think it was about four or five years ago, David and I weren't quite sure on this, uh, but when he was eight or nine, we were at amusement park. And he wanted to ride the drop tower. Okay? Some of you know this. I think we got a, a picture for that. That's kind of a drop tower if you've seen those before. And essentially what they do is they take you up. And then you stay up there for about you know, 30 seconds, 45 seconds, a minute, i.e. eternity. <laughs> and then they drop you. Okay? So David goes, hey, I want to ride the drop tower. And I'm looking at him like, buddy, I don't know. I think you're a little too young for that. Oh, no, no, I want to ride it. Buddy, it's a little too high. No, no, I want to ride it. So then my last hopeful moment was, maybe you're not tall enough. You know the little, you got to be this tall to ride sign? Walks over to him like, oh, you're tall enough. So then he goes, Dad, will you ride it with me? Now, I am not a heights person at all, okay? Third rung on the stepladder, I'm clocking out, I'm good. Like, I do not like heights, period. Sandra knows this. She puts her hand on my shoulder. She looks at me in the eye. She goes, I got it. I'll ride it with them. Don't worry. I I can do it. Now, I look at her and I'm saying, no. A boy has asked his father to ride this. This is now a test of manhood. I can't back down. So we sit in the seat, and you can kind of see it on the picture if you can make it out. They, they, they strap you in. You guys have been on roller coasters before, these death traps that they're called. 
you know, because there's David's to my right, there's a kid to my left, another adult to his left, and I look at the other adult, I'm like, are you ready for this? He's like, no. I'm like, I'm not either. <laughs> so they strap you, and you got this harness that's on it, and what they do with the harness is they lock it in, right? And so now when I'm taken up on the ride, and I'm there, I'm locked in. I'm abiding in the seat. You get that? I'm locked in. I'm persisting. I'm staying. I'm not getting out. When you start the drop, I'm not unclicking and going, whoa, let's see how this goes, right? (laughs) It's the same thing with Christ. You're sitting in Christ. You're locked into Jesus. Because when you're locked into Christ, as 1 John 2, verses 15 and 17 says, when the lust of the flesh comes by, the pride of life happens, the desires of the flesh happen, and those temptations come, that's not the moment to unlock from Jesus and start walking after the things of the world, right? See, what happens is when that temptation comes, what John's getting at in verses 28 and 29 is, a child of God locks in. A child of God abides in Christ so that when sin and temptation come our way, we look at it and say, no, no, I'm locked into Jesus. I don't want that. I'm staying here. I'm not going after that. I'm I'm right here. I'm locked into Jesus in place. So how do we fight sin? How do we abide in Jesus? If that's the command of the text, abide in him, how do we abide in him? Well, then John says in verse 1 of chapter 3, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we shall be called the children of God. And so we are. And this is the reason that the world does not know us, that it did not know him. So church, we're going to go over this a little more next week. Don't be surprised when the world doesn't understand us, kind of rejects us, doesn't follow what we follow. But he says in verse 1, See what kind of love the Father has given to us. What are the moments, what have been the times that you've questioned God's love in your life? Haven't we done that? Don't we do that? Right? Maybe we question God's love when the prayer request isn't answered as quickly as we want it answered. God seems to move slow when we pray, don't we? You ever notice that or is it just me sometimes? It's like, come on, God. You should answer this by now. Don't you love me? Maybe there was times where, where hardship happened. God, why did this happen? Do you not love me? And what are those moments? Can you think of those times? Maybe it was something this week. You had a hard week. God, why why did that happen? Don't you love me anymore? John says this, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. Pay attention to that. Look at what he has done. So look at your past. Look at your present. Look at what God has done for you already. Kind of start recounting those things. When I'm recounting what God's done for me in the past, what he's done for me or he's doing for me in the present, that helps me abide in Jesus. That helps me stay in him. That helps me lock into Jesus because I'm saying, all right, wait a minute, God does love me. Look how he answered that prayer request. Look how he brought me through that dark time. Look how he provided for me when I needed provision. But notice something else John says. Not only do we have God's love and God working in us now, but did you notice something in verse 2? There's a not yet component of his love. I mean, look at it again with me. In verse 2, he said, Beloved, we are God's children now, 
And notice this part in verse 2. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But what we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Did you notice that part? There's a now not yet moment of your salvation. Now, God loves you. Now, you've been freed from the penalty of sin. Now, you're a child of God. Not yet. There's something else coming. He's working. That when he appears, we'll be like Christ. So that means God's doing something in you now. He's making you like Christ. You know, there was an old um, sculptor, and he took this really large block of stone, and out of that stone he, he carved and made a magnificent-looking uh, tiger. And, I mean, it's just a beautiful thing to see. And, you know, put it in the town square, and everybody's walking around looking at this tiger. And he's standing there one day near it, and a guy walks up to him. He's like, man, how did you take that large piece of stone and make it look like this awesome-looking tiger? He said, well, I just chipped away all the pieces of the stone that didn't look like the tiger. Think about that in your life. What God is doing is he's chipping away all the pieces of you that don't look like Jesus yet. So he's taking away all those things. He's chipping that away so that one day when Christ appears, we'll be like him. We'll look like him. We'll see him as he sees us. That means no more sin, no more death, no more sickness. We'll be like Christ. So see what kind of love God has for you. Think about what he's done for you in the past. Look at what he's doing for you in the present. John says, look at what he's going to do for you in the future. Right? So, so abide in him by seeing what kind of love he has for us. But he's going to also now take us into verses 4 and following. And he's going to show us what to do by showing us what not to do. Pick up in verse 4 with me. He says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. And you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. So no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. And no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Drop down to verse 9 with me. So no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seeds abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. So John says in verse 4 that as a child of God, as a Christian, when we're abiding in Christ, our practice should not be sinning right? because sin is lawlessness. Now, I, I know if you're kind of new to church, um, you probably have heard the term sin before. And you think, well, what does that really mean? Because out at the eat the other day, they had sinful chocolate cake on the dessert menu. So, you know, like I hear this term at church. I hear this term out in the public. What really is sin? You know, well, that's good. Let's, let's kind of define that because sometimes we can use churchy terms and not really know what they mean. And I know sin is just a three-letter word, but it's a very big word. Sin is essentially this. I would just define it this way. It's real basic. Sin is doing something you should not have done. Right? So there was something God didn't want you to do, and you did it. That's sin. Right? Sin is also doing something you should have done that you did not do. Right? So there's something God wanted you to do, and you didn't do it. That's sin. 
So it's doing something that you should not have done, and you did it. Not doing something you should have done, you didn't do it. Now, with those two definitions, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but have all of us sinned this week? Yeah. Okay? We're all in that camp. I mean, let's just be real honest. We all, every one of us, including myself, there were things this week I did, you did, where we go, man, ugh, shouldn't have done that. There were things where it goes, ooh, God wanted me to do this, and I didn't do that. Right? That's all of us. We all sin. Even the child of God sins. We went over this a couple of weeks ago. As a Christian, you cannot be sinless right now. Right? We, we have a, the new spirit within us, still an old flesh. We battle sin. We fight sin in our lives. We're not going to be perfect this side of heaven. But John says we can learn to sin less. Right? We're not sinless right now. We learn to sin less. And that's what he's getting at. We want to fight our sin by abiding in Jesus. Then in verses 6 and 9, he says, here's really how you can tell who's a believer in Christ and who's not. Because in verse 6, he says, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. And they've either seen him or known him. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. God. Do you notice that in verse 6? That as a believer in Christ, you may fall into sin. You may commit sin, but it's not the habitual practice of your life. I mean, think about it this way. Moses, in Numbers chapter 20, got frustrated at the people of of Israel, and he lost his temper. He sinned. He got angry at them. Abraham, in Genesis chapter 4, lies about his wife. Peter, Matthew 26, denies Jesus three times. All of those are sins. What did they do after they sinned? They went back to God and they asked for forgiveness. Now, in those three guys, were their lives perfect after that? Yes or no? No. But what was the trajectory of their lives? It was still walking with Jesus. It was still maturing with Christ. It was still fighting sin. And that should be the trajectory of my life, your life as a Christian. It's not that we don't ever not sin, but it shouldn't dominate us. It shouldn't be the pattern of our lives. It shouldn't be the practice of our lives. So the trajectory of our lives should be going, getting closer to Jesus as he's chipping away all that stuff that don't belong there. So what John's saying is, as a Christian... One who would say, yes, I follow Jesus, yes, I'm saved. Verse 6, sin should not be your practice. Should not be your habitual pattern. Now that gets us a little squirrely in today's culture, doesn't it? Because we'll say, well, wait a minute. I thought truth was defined on what I thought it was. I thought righteousness was something I put the definition down to. Right? How, how in the world am I going to know whose righteousness to follow? How do I know really what's right and what's wrong? Well, here's what Jesus says in Matthew 6 and verse 33. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Right? 
So if you say, I'm a child of God, if you say, I'm a Christian, then I'm going to seek first his kingdom, his priority in my life, and I'm going to seek his righteousness. Well, how do I seek his righteousness? Well, now I allow the Bible to be that guide. I let that Bible be that authority in my life because this word reveals his righteousness. So anything in my life that's contrary to the word, it's got to go. Anything that's contrary to the word where our world might say, that's true, that's good, that's right, let's celebrate it. We go, no, 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 no. That's not his righteousness. And we're following his righteousness because we're his children. And so we can't celebrate that. We can't approve that. We can't say yes to that because it's contrary to his word and his righteousness. Because notice again in verse 9, and I'm going to land you there because it's an important verse. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Again, a habit of sinning, a pattern of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. Many of you maybe remember the guy Nicodemus. Uh, It's late one evening. Jesus has had dinner. He's been reading the Jerusalem Times. And Nicodemus knocks on his door. Hey, Jesus, we know you're a rabbi. We know you're a teacher. I've got questions for you about the kingdom and who goes into the kingdom. Jesus says this, John 3, 3. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you've been what? Born again. Cannot enter into the kingdom. And then Nicodemus goes, whoa, how's another man physically born again, right? He's already been born once. How can he physically be born again? Well, of course, Christ is talking about spiritually reborn, you know, because all the ladies in the room are like, no, that ain't happening again. I birthed you once, not birthing you again. He says, no, spiritually, you have to be reborn. Something has to happen. See, Ephesians 2 says that in sin before Christ, we're dead spiritually. It actually says that we're children of the wrath before Christ. But now in Christ, we have hope, we have life, we've been born spiritually, we have God's seed, if you will, within us. Go over really just to 1 John chapter 4 in verse 13. And notice what he says this, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's giving us his spirit. So when you look at what he says in John 4, 13, you look at what he says in John 3, 9, he's saying if you've been born again, then it's impossible for you to have a pattern and a practice and a love for sin. Why? Because you're locked into Jesus, right? We're back to this illustration. You're buckled in. You're abiding. The the Father has now saved you through the work of the Son and has deposited the Spirit within you. And if the Holy Spirit's in you and you're abiding in Christ, then John says in verse 9 of chapter 3, it's impossible for you to have a practice and a habit and a love of sin. Will we still commit it at times? Yes, we're not perfect. Will we still mess up? Yes. But what happens when we do? What happens when you sin? How do you fight against it? Ah, This is where verse 5 of chapter 3 comes back into play, and I love this verse. 
Back in verse 5 of chapter 3, John says, You know that Christ appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. You stop and think about that. The one who is perfect, the one who is sinless, never sin, is the only one who can take away sin. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 4.15 says it this way, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one in every respect who has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So this one who never sinned is the one who takes away our sin, the one who fights on our behalf. And what John says is, fight sin in your life by locking into Jesus. Abide in him. Let him be that power. Let him be that strength for you. Kind of put those roller coaster harnesses on this morning spiritually and lock in. And say, all right, Jesus, this week we're doing war against sin, and it's you fighting through me. It's your strength through me. Because I don't want that anymore. Right? I don't want that sin. I don't want to love that. I don't want to follow that. When the temptation comes my way and it passes me by, help me not unbuckle. (laughs) Help me to stay locked in this week. We're about to sing a song that I, I absolutely love because it's really a song that you you get a chance to sing the gospel. You get a chance to sing out loud what Christ has done for us. And listen, this morning, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I want you to hear these words of that song. And, and I want you today to come to know Christ. I mean, I, I want you to understand, without Christ, you're not his child yet. But as we've already sung, as we've already talked about, God wants to adopt you in. God wants you to be his son and his daughter. And God says, here's here's how that happens. It's through Jesus and Jesus alone. And listen to the words of this song. In Christ alone who took on flesh, fullness of God and helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save until on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. This morning for some of you maybe that's it. You you need to be born again spiritually. You don't know Christ yet. And that's your step is to say today I'm ready to lock into Jesus. Abide in him and need him for salvation. Maybe today for some of you you are there. You're abiding in Christ, and you've got to say, all right, I'm ready to fight sin this week. I'm ready to fight sin, but I've got to learn to keep abiding in him. This part of the song is for you. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me from life's first cry to final breath. It's Jesus that commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand until he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. Fight sin in your life by abiding in Jesus. That is what the son and the daughter of God does. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. On Sunday mornings, we have life groups for all ages at 9 a.m., followed by worship service at 10.30 a.m. 
For more information about how to support the ministry of Heights Baptist Church, go to heightschurch.org give.